the Let's Go Racing Family Podcast, sharing our love through NASCAR, running, and just racing through life. Hosted by Sebastian, Giovanni, Karen, Tony, and me, Johan. Each week, we'll talk about our view of the world through the lens of racing. Welcome back to the Let's Go Racing Family Podcast. This week, we're going to be recapping the Foxwood Resorts Casino 301 at New Hampshire Motor Speedway, as well as talking about a little bit of silly season for NASCAR. And we're also going to be picking race picks for the upcoming race at The Glen, as well as having a fun little six degrees. This is going to be our podcast episode before we take a two-week break to enjoy the Olympics, as all of the other NASCAR drivers are, considering the fact that NASCAR won't have another race until August 8th in two weeks. And like NBC needs to do the Olympics because it's a big sport and it got postponed last year. It got postponed from last year due to COVID. So NASCAR, uh, NBC needs to do it and they can't and Fox is not doing the, do it. So NBC needs to do NASCAR and the Olympics. So NASCAR is taking a two week break getting these drivers prepared for the Glen and getting ready for the playoffs so they can have a break, watch the Olympics and do stuff. And Kyle Busch can just take his anger off. <laughs> well, I think it's it's actually pretty smart in NASCAR to do that. Uh, I think in the past, I can't remember NASCAR doing this for the Olympics. It just makes sense. It, it's them not ignoring the fact that the world will be focused on the Olympics for the next couple of weeks. So I think it's a smart play. Uh, we all know what we'll be watching, and uh, we'll, we're also going to take a little break, like you guys have been saying, and we'll be back in, in a few weeks. But we, before we get to that point, we actually have this race to to cover uh, and, and a few other things uh, in this week's podcast. So, Sebastian, why don't you give us a little bit of a highlight on what happened in this past race? Where were we? We were at... New Hampshire Motor Speedway for the Foxwood Resorts Casino 301. And boy, did this race start off in a little crazy because Kyle Busch, for the first eight laps of the race, was leading as best as he could. But then it rained and, oh boy, he spun out, wrecked his car, and ended his day. You know, it's funny because, not, not because Kyle Busch wrecked, but because the three Joe Gibbs drivers that were in the front, literally one, two, and I think Denny was in fourth. It was Kyle Busch, Denny Hamlin, and Martin Truex Jr. Kyle was leading in. Martin Truex Jr. was in second place. And one of the things I think that was pretty funny was the fact that when Kyle Busch span, spun out, Martin Truex Jr. spun out in literally the same way, and so did Denny Hamlin. It was kind of funny to just see them all, all three of them, go around you would think it was staged it actually kind of looks funny going along with the theme of the olympics it was like synchronized swimming because you're right it, it wasn't that one impacted the other they both spun about the same time or actually all three and they uh, had and they distance from each other the they didn't like spot. take each other out no no they were very fortunate that it wasn't worse than it, it could have been a lot worse kyle had the worst of it yeah kyle had the worst then martin truix jr who was the second one to spin had le a little less than him. And then uh, Denny Hamlin, he managed to see that his teammates were spinning 
and was able to, he said he was able to take his foot off. He had a bit of a different brake zone from them. Yeah, he was able to take his foot off the accelerator and hit a little bit of the brake, but he still spun. But he, fortunately for him, he didn't wreck his car for the day. And Kyle Busch was livid, man. He was super angry. He was so angry that he tried to um, take out the pace car. I think it was more of just a little bit of a bump behind him, you know, give him a nice little rub. I think it was more of him giving NASCAR his sign of disapproval because they were running. They didn't call the rate or they didn't call a caution in time when the rain started. And so he was very he was very upset, like Sebastian said. And I actually I mean, most of the time when he's uh, upset and he's being bratty and petty, I'm like, woohoo, you know, wow, wow, cry baby. But I actually like felt bad for him, like. He wrecked his car within the first, you know, seven laps with the rain. And I don't think it was very fair. And his 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 day ended. And I could I could understand his frustration. So let's talk about that. A hundred percent agree with you. What happened the way that the race, you know, the what happened to him was completely unfair, right? They were racing out there. It rained. And because of something completely out of his control that you could argue could have been prevented based on decisions that were made, he wrecked. So he was very upset. And we all realized he was completely justified in being that upset. My question is, should NASCAR penalize him because he bumped the pace car? No. 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 Uh, he doesn't deserve right, it. No, let's go around. Why do wait, you guys he? think that? He bumped the pace car. Now, no, I when I say bumped, no, there, there's talk that that's going to happen. but And they haven't even said how badly. I'll give you my opinion. I'll give you what I think NASCAR is going to do. But why do you got you all seem to say no? So let's go around. Let's start with the Kyle Busch fan club president, Sebastian. <laughs> why do you think they should not penalize him? They should not penalize him because this was a mistake on NASCAR's part. They knew that rain was coming, but they decided to just start the race And it ended up causing one of the drivers to wreck out before they even got to 10 laps. And Kyle Busch is frustrated and NASCAR isn't taking like responsibility for this. So he decides I'm going to bump the pace car to be like, yo, can you got, do you guys get it? Like your mom said, you have a sign of disapproval. And honestly, if he, the only reason he should have gotten penalized is if he like, like, if he had taken out the pace car completely, like what he did to um a truck a couple of years ago that got him penalized, then that makes sense. But he just bumped him. I think, and I, I honestly, I have to check and see how accurate this is, but I think they talked about possibly bringing out a backup pace car. Oh, my <laughs> word. That was so silly. Yes. I don't know if they, they did show, or not. They showed, they showed they the NASCAR out, officials right? looking at the car, and even the driver looking at the car and looking at the bumper to make sure that nothing was wrong with it and that possibly bringing out another pace car. And I'm like, serious? Come on, guys. He barely tapped your bumper. And I'm sure that you can drive it around at whatever, 45 miles an hour around the track when you have to come out for a caution. Let's yeah, not be it, ridiculous. It wasn't here. broken. We have NASCAR cars that are driving at higher speeds, missing, you know, fenders and bumpers and all kinds of stuff. Johan, why do you think they should not penalize him? Well, honestly, I don't think they should penalize him because he's mad after like Rochester being dirty. Okay, not that dirty. Okay. Wait, I'm sorry. Let- time out. What is Ross Chastain 
have anything to do with the rain. He's mad after losing. That was just answer the question. He's okay. mad at losing if his he's... brother. He wants. He starts on the pole, wants to win, and then NASCAR can be can be smart. Check the radar. Says tell tell Kyle Busch to slow it down. They don't, and he just spins. This is not the first time this has happened. Like like in Texas in 2020. Harvick hit the wall because he got loose of rain. A lot of drivers did too. This has been messy, like big mistakes, like the Coda race. I I wanted a rain race, but it got too dangerous. They didn't learn from their mistake. All right, that's a valid point. And then one more thing. Yeah. Like, how come they're going to penalize him? Like, cars are like, crew guys are getting the chainsaws out to fix the cars. Come on, just a little fender rub can't hurt a car unless you get the chainsaw out. Giovanni, do you think they should penalize Kyle Busch, NASCAR? No, I, I think it's going to be completely unjust if they do, and it's going to be a horrible play on their play on why them. Because if he took out the car, if, if he took out the pace car and like completely wrecked it or it spun all the way around. That's understandable. You know, penalize him. He shouldn't have done that. But literally going up to the back of the pace car and just giving it a nice little bump, not even like damaging it at all, just like showing his frustration, his frustration with NASCAR, that's completely fine. And I, I, just, I think it's completely unjust if they're going to do that. So you think he, he was justified in bumping the NASCAR? Yeah, pace because car NASCAR made a really it. bad call he didn't to do start it. the race, knowing there was going to be rain. Sebastian? I mean, other drivers have gone to the back of the pace car and bump it to help, like, fix some damage, and they're not penalized. They've done that plenty of times at Daytona when you have something at the front of the car on the grill. And they need to get it off. They literally That's a great bump point. And then the Tony Stewart car. ones, Ooh. like at like I think it was Atlanta like or you, Texas. You could call that in like Atlanta or Texas once, like back ago. Tony Stewart was in the twenty. He was bumping the pace car. They're like, ha ha. Tony Stewart's. They were all like laughing. But was he doing it out of frustration or was he playing around just to play around? He was just playing around and trying to get something off his car. Okay, so all very valid points. Here's my opinion. And you actually may make me question it, but I still think I'm going to I still think I'm going to stay with what I think, which is I actually do think NASCAR should penalize him. I hope it's not a huge penalty and I fear that it's going to be penalty that's going to result in he's not going to lose a win. He's not going to not make the playoffs, but I believe they're going to take playoff points away from him. So it'll impact his, his position in the playoffs when they start. I think that'll be a little overkill. Honestly, I think they should do like other major league sports and just penalize them. Is it $10,000 and then donate it to some charity or something like that? I do think that the reason I believe they should penalize him because there is a line that you just do not cross. And yes, I agree with you, Karen, 100%. Did he actually do any damage? No. It, was it ridiculous that they actually even stopped to look at the bumper to see what he did? He, I prob there were probably no damage on that car. It was probably, if anything, he rubbed a little bit of paint. Maybe, maybe. I don't even think it was that bad. So I think it was over the top. What he did was nothing, but it was the intent 
of what he was doing. He was expressing his frustration with NASCAR, which he was, again, I agree, completely justified. But he was he did something that you got to think about. Sometimes these pace cars are driven by celebrities. It's not always NASCAR officials. And so imagine the scenario because this was this happened really early in the race. So usually when you have like a celebrity do the 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 pace car, they do the first few laps, you know, the first maybe the first part of the race and then they get out and then an official drives the rest of the way. But because it was so early, had they had like a celebrity behind the wheel. And then Kyle Busch out of frustration bumps it and that person's not an official and kind of freaks out and wrecks the pace car, like it's a slippery slope. Did what Kyle Busch did was not that big a deal. Didn't do a lot of damage, but it was the symbolism of him physically like touching an official. It's like in any other major league sport, you can argue with officials. And if you say the wrong or magical words, they will eject you. But the second you even physically touch them, even if it's just a light like bump because you're upset, you're out. They're gone. You're, you're getting thrown out of the game. It's not because they're like getting hurt or whatnot. There's just a line you do not cross. And I think he kind of crossed it. The thing that you made me think differently, though, Sebastian, was when you said, well, other drivers, when they've had debris on the grill, they've actually because I remember those things. Those have happened. And and I do kind of remember, Johan, when you said that Tony Stewart did it, but it was definitely in a joking. He wasn't doing it out of frustration. It was a joking situation. But this is everybody knew and everybody realized Kyle Busch was justified in being upset and frustrated. And he took it out in a physical way with a NASCAR official. And again, nothing could have, nothing would have happened really bad this time. But what if, what if he was a little bit more upset? And I will say, and we've talked about this, Kyle Busch has matured so much. He even, he even showed it after the, got out of the car and they interviewed him. And he, they asked him questions and he just said, you know what? I'm not going to get in trouble. And he kind of just kept his mouth shut. And, it, you know, he just he had every right to lose his mind. And again, I think he was justified. I just don't think to be upset, but I don't think he was anyone's justified to physically touch an official. And that's essentially what he did. So that's why I think NASCAR needs to send a message to all competitors Regardless of what happened to the official and to the car, you cannot cross that line. And I think, unfortunately, they're going to penalize him and it's going to affect the playoffs a little bit. And I, I think he's good enough, obviously, that he can have a, a hot run in the playoffs. He'll make he can kind of compensate for that. But I just think that you have to send a message. You cannot cross that line. So who's going to penalize NASCAR for their um, decisions with rain? That's a great that's you know what I think the fans I think the drivers and talking about what happened um, and and the ratings are going to do it because at the end of the day you lost two top drivers possibly three but he it, there was no damage to Hamlin and we'll hear that he didn't do too bad but you lost two drivers that effectively could have won that race two of the top drivers in the league and now they're effectively taken out so now you have imagine all the Kyle Busch fans. That said, I'm not watching this. Um, and then and then the other side of it is, do you think NASCAR made the right decision at the end of the race? So we'll come back to that in a second. 
because let's get to the end of the race. So give us a quick recap on the rest of the race. And then Johan, take us through the top five finishers for what happened in the race. And then we can get back to that question because I think it helps to answer your question about who's penalizing NASCAR. So Ryan Blaney won stage one and led two times for 64 laps. He had the second most laps led. Brad Keselowski won stage two and led for two times for 53 laps. He had he was the third most sled driver. But the winner of the race ended up being Eric Armarola. I think he needs to be the new um, where did he come from? I would. What I would, is the Mister? Where did you come from? Kevin was, Harvick's uh, nickname. Yeah, because during the race, Eric Armarola wasn't even up there. In fact, in stage three, it was pretty much the battle of the Penske cars of Blaney and Brad Keselowski, and I was sure that one of them was going to win because they seemed to have the strongest cars. You know, at one point, you know, we thought maybe Kevin Harvick might be catching up to them, but then he kind of fell back, and it was continuing to be their battle. And then all of a sudden, from nowhere, here comes the number ten. And they kept saying that he had the strongest car, the fastest car. And that's the other thing, too. It wasn't even though there was somewhat weather related in this race or rather weather impact in the race. He actually drove up to the front. He did have the strong car. It wasn't like, oh, because he was offsetting pits, pit strategies or or rain or whatever. No, he had a strong car. But you're right. He kind of kind of came out of nowhere. And all of a sudden now. Here's the guy you think is going to win this race. He takes the lead a couple of different uh, yeah, couple times. I was going to say, even when they did have to go into green pit stops. And he like, lost the lead. He still came out and ended up being in the lead. Or, you know, he was like, there were a few guys that stayed out in front of him. But once they all pitted, he was still back in the lead. So yeah. clearly yeah. he was strong. I was jokingly saying when he was like trying to get up to the lead, he was battling Brad and then battling Blaney. I was definitely saying, uh, hey, look, Mr. Hey, look, Mr. Stork, I'm going fishing for a number two car. And look, I even have a chance of getting a, a lucky number 12. And guess what that puts me in the position one. OK, good job, Eric. All right, Johan. So give us our top five for this race. Our top five was in fifth, Ryan Blaney, fourth, Joe Logano. Third, Brad Kozlowski. Second, Christopher Bell. And first, Eric Amarola. And Eric Amarola actually was having one of the worst years of his career. He was in 27th in points. And he was the, the first SHR car to win this season. Not Kevin Harvick, not Cole Custard, not Chase Briscoe. Eric Amarola hasn't won since 2018. And Giovanni, how many points was Eric out of the playoffs coming into this race? Eric was actually 300 points out of the playoffs and he just, because of winning the race, ended up punching his ticket into the playoffs. Which is one of the reasons why he had a little bit of a hard time passing some cars that were lapped or he was about to lap because like one in particular, Austin Dillon did not want to get out of the way because he's now a driver in danger of not making the playoffs because he has not won. He's near the cut line and he was uh, safely in the playoffs before this race. But now because Eric Amarola won and is now locked in, it has now pushed everybody out down another another level. And so Austin may not make the playoffs. And his only way was to try to block him. But finally, Eric Amarola just had a strong enough car to get past him. So let's get back to now that we know that Eric Amarola won, what was significant about the way he won? He was able to hold off the hard-charging 
Christopher Bell going for the weekend sweep. And but why? Why was he able to? What was part of the reason why he was able to hold them off? They because cut the race they, short because of the sun going down. Because they had to. Uh, they started the race a little later because of the rain delay, and so that track does not have lights. And so as they started getting towards the last twenty laps of the race, um, they called it at around lap lap eighteen. 18. Mm-hmm. And they said that once NASCAR called it, it was 10 laps to the end. So, um, yeah, he had 10 laps to hold and it was off basically, Christopher Bell to it was win. Eight, it was basically eight laps short. And to your point, Johan, Christopher Bell was hard charging. He was coming. And he, he ended up losing or coming in second place only by like a half a second. And we all know, had they run that green the rest of the way, he probably would have passed Eric Amarola. In fact, he had the second fastest lap, which was Eric for the last about the last 10 laps. Eric Amarola had the third fastest lap. Christopher Bell had the second, which was better than Amarola. So clearly he would have he would have caught up to him had the race kept going. But don't feel bad. Christopher Bell has a win. So he's in the chase. Yeah. And this is actually I was looking at the stats and stuff before. Uh, we we set up for the podcast. This is the second out of the last three races that Christopher Bell's coming second. So he's definitely a driver to look out for in the second half of the season as we march towards the uh, playoffs he's and, hungry. and see what happens in the playoffs. Yeah, he's hungry for some wins and to get in the playoffs. Let's get back to the question that that we were talking about, which was, you know, who's going to hold NASCAR accountable? So I'm going to ask you as fans. Do you think NASCAR made the right decision when it came to the way they started the race? I think we all know that answer, which was let it start. And then they call the the red flag after three or four cars wrecked. And did they make the right decision at the end of the race to call it early with eight laps to go because they didn't have lights? Honestly, I can't I can't say that they made a wrong decision with the end of the race, just because unless I was there, I really can't see the how dark it was actually getting. I think at one point we were able to see out of one of the driver's cameras and it did look a bit dark because like, I think you had mentioned that these uh, cameras that were watching on TV um, take in more light. So it looks brighter than it actually is outside. So I think I'd have to be there or be in the car to be able to say, yeah, they made the right decision or the wrong decision. Um, I don't know. I mean, as, as a person who drives, once you start getting, once the sun starts setting, you know, if you don't have lights, it's gonna, I think it's gonna be difficult to see. And then that could become dangerous. So, but again, I can't say either way just because I wasn't there and I can't see how dark it was. But if NASCAR thought that it was too dark for them to see, then yes, that was the right call. I say no, NASCAR didn't make the right call for both scenarios, especially, like, for one, like, we know about what happened in the first one, but with the... Again, what was the first one? They they started the race, even though it was going to rain soon, and then Kyle Busch and Martin Truex Jr. ended up... So they ended up calling a a red flag, they just didn't do it soon enough. Yeah, and then the second thing with the end of the race is that it was like eight laps or eight to 18 laps left. 
And if they have that many, they should have just let him race all the way. Like, it's one thing if it's like 30 or 40 laps left and it was about to get dark, then that makes sense to drop it down to 10. I kind of agree with you on this because at the end of the day, it was only eight laps to go. Those are 30 second laps. It was four minutes. Let's say four and a half. You know, it, if you stretch it out, right? If there if there's a caution, it would have been a lot more. So I guess maybe they were avoiding potential caution. But if you let it run, I mean, that's another four minutes. Um, you know, how much of a difference would it be? Again, to your point, yeah. Karen, maybe it is a big difference. When we got to 20 laps, though, I didn't think that there was that much difference from the time that they like when they ended up they like cut, it. when they called it again, we're seeing it through the TV, but I didn't see a difference in what we're seeing in TV from 20 laps to when the race was cut short and ended. Honestly, what I got to say if is if I was Eric Almarola, I didn't win since 2018. I'm having a bad year. Just call it. I want to get as much less laps so Christopher Bell doesn't catch me. Cause I would be hard sweating right now. I'd be a, I'd be come like, come on NASCAR, come on, come on. Uh, ten laps, ten laps to go, ten laps to go. He's uh closing, he's closing. Come on. So honestly, I was happy for Eric Romulo getting the win. A Florida native guy won. I'm from Florida, of course. And honestly, I like that. And not just because he's a Florida guy and I feel bad for him. I want him to win. Okay, so kind of like that. But I'm really happy NASCAR called it. It was a good decision. And the and the last time um they had to call it um like because of like darkness was 2007 Kansas. But I'm really happy for Eric Almirola getting that win, chopping it down a couple laps. Good job by NASCAR. I'll give you a big thumbs up. As much as I want to agree with Sebastian, I have to disagree on one of them. I think the first option or the first call that NASCAR made with starting the race and ending up having a red flag and only running eight laps, I think that was really stupid because I feel like they knew that they were going that there was going to be rain. I mean, they're looking at the bra- the what do you call it? The radar. Yeah, they're looking at the radar. They're like, OK, maybe it's going to rain. But they just decide to let him go. I I almost feel like it's as if they kind of wanted Kyle Busch to get out of the race because ah, come on, don't no be one let Kyle. I, I'm just kidding there, That's but it does. Theory. It seems a bit weird that they did that. I think they made that call for the fans. I think they decided to start the race instead of holding it off because it's easier to start a race and then be like, oh, fans, sorry, the rain is here. We're only going to be down for a little bit, as opposed to not starting the race and then your fans are sitting around waiting much longer. But the thing is, like, the first call, I think the minute that it started, rain, like, sprinkling, I think they should have called a caution and at least let the car circle the track slowly and then determine, is it going to start raining or is it going to, you know, die off? Because, you know, apparently it came really quickly. Well, that, that's the thing. It's We're talking weather. I honestly, I don't think, first of all, I don't think there was any conspiracy of, well, NASCAR thought it was you know, better for certain drivers or whatnot, or even for the fans. I honestly think they decided to start because it's weather, it's unpredictable, and they made an e- an educated guess that they thought, well, maybe we can get it going, and it looks like this weather may pass us and we should be fine. And to your point, it came on really quickly. I think the biggest thing that they're going to talk a lot about, and you heard it on the broadcast with the drivers, and and even Dale had talked about it as well, Dale Jr., 
there needs to be communication between the spotters that are on the track to NASCAR. And they're, they clearly saw the rain and felt it because we saw it on the cameras. Like a couple laps before this all happened, you could see that there was moisture on the cameras, like little droplets of rain. And so again, sometimes that passes and the, the cars can, can stick to the track. But there was a miscommunication there. Somebody was not relaying information as quickly as they should have to NASCAR. And they should have called a red flag a little bit sooner. So I do think that that was a, a misstep on NASCAR's part. Uh, and it was honestly because of, I think, bad communication. Because, you know, they should have had that information relayed quicker. And then on the other uh, call of calling it early, you know what? I, I, I know I kind of said earlier... Yeah, it was only four minutes, but like Karen said, we weren't physically there. We we're watching it from home, watching it on TV, and the light looks a little bit different from a television than maybe being there. And uh, we talk about safety that the, the safety issue ha- with the water. Well, what about without lights? You know, what if what if a driver can't really see because these cars, you know, have stickers <laughs> where normal lights would be. And so they're not breaking, and and it if you don't have light to see, it just makes it a little bit more dangerous. So, yeah, uh, I think to to again to circle back to what you were saying earlier, who penalizes NASCAR? It's going to be the fans, right? We're going to either be upset and not want to watch it anymore, and I think NASCAR wants to get it right for the fans uh, as much as they possibly can. So I think that wraps up. The Foxwood Resorts Casino 301. Let's get through our race picks uh, real quick. Who did we pick and where did we finish? And then we can talk about the following week when uh, NASCAR returns uh, from the Olympic break. Before we talk about who we picked, I just wanted to say that I think Joey Logano probably had one of the best days for him. And yes, he did get penalized and went under two laps, which I think was kind of weird, but he did really good. Like he worked his way back up on the lead lap, took him a bit, but he got into the lead lap. And then as the laps were winding down, Joey was landing some of the fastest laps I think I've seen on the track. Like he was taking number one for the last 10 laps. He had the fastest lap out of even Martin Trick. I mean, Eric Armorola and Christopher Bell. Bell. That's why I said earlier, Eric had the third fastest and Christopher had the second fastest. Joey was running the fastest to the point where he was in like 13th with 10 to go and ended up passing Kevin Harvick and Ryan Blaney and getting fourth place, which was incredible. I just wanted to point that out. I think Joey had a really good day. Gio, thank you for bringing that up because that was actually something that I wanted to mention in the podcast and we got um, wrapped up in all the other stuff. But when I was watching, when the race ended, I thought about that because I said, wow, Joey Logano was penalized after that red flag. He like lost two laps and managed to finish fourth, fourth, finish fourth. Because I even said, wow, I am surprised none of us picked Joey Logano. And I will say I was going, I was to. going to pick Joey Logano but I was being silly and I wanted, you know, Denny Hamlin to run away from that lobster. And really, I honestly thought that like Denny Hamlin or Kevin Harvick need a win to go to get into the playoffs. And I really thought what this was going to be one of their tracks. Uh, But to be honest, my first choice was going to be Joey Logano. Yeah, he was really impressive. And it is a great point because 
it just proves don't ever give up. I mean, in NASCAR, when you go more than one lap down, it's almost impossible sometimes to get all the way back. And he was able to work his way back up, get on the lead lap and finished in fourth. And honestly, if they had been a wreck late and they had reset and they were doing a restart, he could have won this thing. Because like you said, Gio, he had the fastest car as the race was winding down. So definitely impressed by how Joey Logano ended that race, despite how bad of a start he had. All right. So let's get through our race picks as a family. So Johan, who did you pick and where did he finish? I picked Austin Dillon and he finished 17th. Hey, an air a Florida native got a win. I'm fine with that. And something funny about where he finished and where he is in the playoff point standings, he's 17th in the playoff point standings, finished 17th. Yeah. Is not, that funny? Not a great, well, not funny for him. Not a great day for the number three car. All right. Uh, I guess, Mom, where did you finish with your driver pick? Well, like I said, I picked Denny Hamlin. And he was one of the cars that spun at the beginning. He had a rough time during the race. And somehow, miraculously, he finished 10th. So I at least got a point with that. Sebastian, who'd you pick and where did he finish? I picked Kevin Harvick and he got me six. And I did get a point. So I, I'm still continuing the streak. But I'm a little disappointed because he was in the top three. And I thought, oh, yeah, I'm going to get some point. I'm going to get two points and I'm going to be tied with dad or like still one point but then he dropped and i was like please please stay in the top five and then he was in fifth and then he had to battle ryan blaney for that fifth position and on the final lap it looked like kevin harvick took over the position i was like yes kevin harvick's gonna get fifth (laughs) then immediately afterwards he gets passed by blaney i'm like no yeah we were actually like laughing at that and watching it like the race was going on and Eric Armarillo was leading, but we were paying attention to the fact that Kevin Harvick jumps in the fifth and then like a second later, Ryan Blaney passes him. And why was that so interesting for you guys? Because I happened to pick Ryan Blaney and Sebastian, of course, picked Kevin Harvick. And clearly my pick was the favor in this battle. So while we were all watching Eric Amarola, right, and we're watching him come to the finish line, you two were watching the finishing order for the rest of the drivers because you're right. Kevin Harvick was in front at one point. Ryan Blaney, they switched back and forth. And then it ended up being Ryan Blaney taking fifth, who is your pick, Giovanni, and Sebastian Kevin Harvick in sixth. So you did get points, but you missed out on double points because he didn't finish in the top five. And then I actually had the best day of all of us in our picks. I actually had Brad Keselowski. And after stage two, I thought for sure I was going to get three points because not only did he have the slickest and best looking car out there. And I can't the Tron car. Yeah. It's like the Tron car. I I actually, I, I forget the name of the sponsor. I just know it was one of the coolest looking cars out there. It just looked fast. And he was driving very fast. He finished in third. And so I did get a top five, and I feel like it's been a while since I've had a top five driver finish. Well, did anybody pick Eric Armrola? No. No. No one had the faith. So we talked already about the fact that NASCAR is not racing 
for the next two weeks because of the Olympics. So NASCAR Cup Series will return to racing on August 8th at Watkins Glen for the Go Bowling at the Glen. So we get a road course straight out of the Olympics. It's the Let's Go Racing Family Picks of the Week. All right, as we head into the Olympic break for 2021, Karen, who do you have winning when we come back at Watkins Glen? Well, we're going to another road course, and it may sound cliche, but guys, I'm sorry, I'm taking the number nine of Chase Elliott. Not a huge surprise. I'm going second. And I'm going to take the number five, Kyle Larson, because I think he's going to take that crown back as the new king of road course racing this year. Sebastian, with an unbelievable run the last few weeks, you are now in third. Who are you picking to win at Watkins Glen on the other side of the Olympics? I'm going to go with Kyle Busch. If he doesn't get penalized, I think that he's going to race and he is going to show NASCAR why he's one of the best drivers and you shouldn't do something stupid like the rain. Giovanni, you're next. Who do you have winning at Watkins Glen after the Olympics? So, with three weeks of racing left before the playoffs, three slots left, I think we're going to see three new winners for each race and probably for the first time see all 16 slots locked in on wins. Put me down for Denny Hamlin in the number 11. Ooh, clutch Denny Hamlin. He's in the playoffs right now, but hasn't gotten a win. That would be, I, I could see that happening. All right, Johan, take us home. Who's winning at the Glen? Honestly, I know who I'm picking. He's a bit of a wild card, but I know this wild card's going to do good. He may not get me a win, but hey, I'm fine with whatever points I get out of him. He was in the rookie class of 2020. I think the number eight of Tyler Reddick. Gets his first career win at the Glen. Wow. Like Chase Elliott. Strong call there. Tyler Reddick bringing in that first win. And those are our picks for when NASCAR returns at the Glen. So before we wrap up this week's episode, We've got a special Six Degrees of NASCAR themed to the Olympics. Sebastian, why don't you connect the Olympics to NASCAR in less than six degrees of separation? And now it's Six Degrees of NASCAR, where we try to connect someone in pop culture to NASCAR in less than six degrees of separation. All right, for this edition of Six Degrees of NASCAR, we'll be using the Olympics as the basis. Now, I love the Olympics. I love watching them whenever they're on. But for me, the Summer Olympics were always my favorite. And my favorite part of watching the Summer Olympics was seeing Michael Phelps swim his way to win the gold medals and dominate. And Michael Phelps 
is one of the most famous and greatest swimmers in sports. He has participated in the Olympics from the 2000 Sydney Olympics to the recent 2016 Rio Olympics, and he's won 23 gold medals, 3 silver medals, and 2 bronze medals. So since Michael Phelps is my topic for today, you guys may be wondering how I'm going to connect him. Well, Michael Phelps is part of Team USA, which which represents our country in the different um, sporting events. And aside from swimming, the other big event that the Team USA promotes is gymnastics. And one of the gymnastics um, competitors is Michaela Moroni who is part of the Fierce Five group in the 2012 London Olympics. And Michaela Maroney was featured in a Geico ad that actually is playing on TV that also um, represents her meme face that was made at the 2012 Olympics. With another connection to Michael Phelps is that Michael Phelps also became a meme because of the 2016 Rio Olympics where, it looked, where he's listening to music and he looked like he was like super angry. And because Michaela Maroney um, did a commercial with Geico, we can connect that to NASCAR because Geico is one of the biggest sponsors of the sport. And so that is how you connect Michael Phelps to NASCAR in less than six degrees separation. That's pretty good. That's about two degrees. Did he do a Geico commercial too? No? I don't know. But that's pretty good. Yeah, Michaela Maroney. She was one of our favorites just because of that meme. I mean, obviously. She's a world-class athlete and won gold with the women's gymnastics in 2016. And I think in 2012 as well. I think she's a two-time champion. Yeah. In any event, one of the greatest Olympian athletes, gymnasts of all time. So that's pretty cool. Yes, the Olympics and NASCAR. So we are excited, uh, even though we're going to miss NASCAR for a couple of weeks, it is pretty exciting whenever the Olympics are on, because I feel like the entire world focuses in on that during the week. Everybody kind of stops and you end up watching all of these cool events, sometimes during the day and, and a lot of times during the evening. So it'll be very exciting uh, next couple of weeks because we're, we're big sports fans. So it'll be exciting to see it all play out on the world stage. So with that. Giovanni, why don't you take us out? That's going to wrap up this week's episode, everyone. Thank you so much for listening on in. Consider subscribing, following all of our socials, doing all that jazz. And anyway, we're going to go take a nice break. See you in two weeks. Let's Grow Racing Family out. <laughs>